0: following message is brought to you by Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We exist to bring glory to God by knowing Christ and making him known. If you would like to visit our church we hold multiple services on Sunday mornings starting at 9 a.m. We are located between Motokare Wharf and Edai Town. Pickups are available 7 One thousand
1: This morning, for some of you who may not know him or may not be familiar with his background, I might just take a moment and explain a little bit about Brother Eric Bala's background. He graduated from Maranatha Bible Institute in the late 1990s, and then from there he went on to pastor in Cupiano for a few years, and now he currently serves as a deacon here at Capital City Baptist Church, and uh, it's a privilege to have him on as a part of our pastoral staff This year, he is with a number of other guys going through a pastoral mentorship program with me, and he is also pursuing his bachelor's degree in biblical studies at Tyndale Theological Seminary online. That uh, schooling is done through Dallas, Texas. Um, Lord willing, he has a desire to be sent out by Capital City Baptist Church in future years as the Lord leads to go and pastor, perhaps overseas, or as the Lord leads if he is to lead here domestically. Brother Eric will be bringing our morning sermon today, and next week we'll be back into Romans chapter 9. Genesis chapter 22, we'll read verses 1 down to verse 14. Our scripture reading is from Genesis chapter 22. If you'll follow along. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. He said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Verse 3, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up, went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder in worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord came, unto, called unto him out of heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him, For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Verse 14, And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, It shall be seen.
0: All right. Good morning, church. It's a privilege to stand here before you in Pastor Matt's pulpit. Um, I don't take this lightly, as I always say. It is a privilege to be standing here. And so... um, I praise God for this privilege and opportunity. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject Jehovah Jireh. From the outset of just the name itself, Jehovah Jireh, we all know that it speaks of God's providence, at this point, I'd like to, for us to view this story, this story of Abraham and this compound name of God, Jehovah-Jireh, how Abraham saw it. I'd like us to see this story in two views. So I'd like for you to place your finger in Genesis 22 and also, place a paper in Genesis twelve. We will be visiting those. First Chronicles chapter twenty-one. If you don't place a marker, you will not see it, and you will not catch up with me. Second Chronicles three verse one. Please place a marker. And Luke chapter twenty-three verse thirty-three. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, the compound name of God is found only one time in the Bible. And it is here in our text. Many love this name of God and use it to their advantage. Especially those who want prosperity. It sounds prosperous, doesn't it? Jehovah Jireh, God provides. And yes, it does. But there is more to this story. There is more to Jehovah Jireh than what we know and what we can see and what we've been told about. Jehovah Jireh is God's providence and there is more to God's providence today I'd like for us to see Jehovah Jireh from two perspectives one from Abraham's perspective and one from our perspective and as we go through this we will draw a couple of lessons from here and there and then we finish off with four truths then we can go home well, go to the next class so um, Let's see it from Abraham's view. Abraham's view is the literal view. It's the Old Testament view. What did Abraham see? What did Abraham hear? What did Abraham feel? How was Abraham thinking? What did God command Abraham? So this is Abraham's view. Many times when approaching this story, we come with a preconceived idea because we already know the end. But this doesn't do justice to the scripture or to Abraham himself. So let us look at this literally. Let us approach this morning through Abraham's lenses. See, Abraham receives two divine imperatives, two divine commands from God, one in chapter 12 and another in chapter 22. The first is to leave and get out, and the second is to take away. In Genesis 12, verse 1 and 2, God gives the first imperative. Now the Lord said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Underline that phrase, a land I will show thee. And I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Abraham is 70 years old, and he comes from a lineage of Shem, Noah's son. It is this line that continued to believe in the Creator God, while all other generations walked away from this faith. Abraham had a good personal relationship with God. We don't know anything about about Abraham until Genesis chapter 11 in the last part and the beginning of Genesis 12. But what we see tells us about who we are looking at, about Abraham. He believed in God. So Abraham is 70 years old. His father dies. He leaves the land of Ur, of the Kali. And he's on his way and God speaks to him, God tells him to leave, God tells him to walk away, God tells him to pack up his stuff and move out of the air of the college. There are a couple of things that we see here this morning God tells Abraham, He says, Leave your country. And then God says, Leave your kindred. And then God says, Leave your father's house. Imagine that progression. Here is God. A God who has created all things a God who has promised that he will send a Messiah in Genesis 315 this God is finding favor with an individual and he says you must leave your country that's your custom That's your culture. Not only that, God says to Abraham, you must leave your kindred. That's your tribal heritage. And not only that, God says, Abraham, you must leave your father's house. That's your inheritance. That's your birthright. God wanted Abraham to be the starting point of a new generation, not a continuation of a previous one. So God gave this clear-cut command to Abraham, cut off all these relationships. Once you do that, I can use you. Cut off your country, cut off your kindred, cut off your father's house, cut off your custom and culture, cut off your tribal heritage, cut off your inheritance and birthright, then you become a starting point for a new generation that I can use to bring about my promise of the Redeemer. Now, this this was very hard on Abraham. But knowing from the story, Abraham was a man who believed God already. See, God, God doesn't ask you to do stuff that he has not already blessed you with grace to go through it. Abraham, your custom, your culture, your tribal heritage, your inheritance, your birthright, are all earthly things. Abraham, forsake the stuff that are going to hold you down. Abraham, forsake the stuff that are going to hold you down. I'm going to use you, Abraham. I want to use you, Abraham. But you've got to cut out the stuff that are holding you down. Not only that, Abraham, you've also got to forget the stuff that will pull you back. So cut off your custom, Abraham. Cut off your culture, cut off the tribal heritage, cut off that inheritance and birthright. I want to make of you a starting point of a new generation. And so Abraham left the heir of the Kali and went to the place where God told him that He will show him. Not only that, we see in Genesis 22, we come to Genesis 22, 55 years later. Abraham is now 125 years old, and God gives a second divine imperative. And it came to pass, Genesis 22, verse 1 and 2, after these things that God did tempt Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah. Now, in Genesis 12, God said, you walk. I will tell you which land you're going to go to. I will tell you which land. Genesis 22, God is telling Abraham, it's the land of Moriah. The land of Moriah. Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a bent offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thereof. See, not only did God say you leave and get out, but God told Abraham you take away, you take away. And in the first one, in Genesis 12, we see that God is dealing with Abraham's country, Abraham's home, Abraham's family. In Genesis 12, Abraham succeeds with God's grace. He lives and he follows God's command. But in Genesis 22, God is becoming, God is coming closer to Abraham's heart. There's something still there that Abraham hasn't given up yet. So that is why God is telling Abraham, I need this from you, Abraham. Take your son, Isaac. Take thy son. I want you to see the progression. Take thy son. Thy son. That's ownership. That's belonging. Your son, he belongs to you. You own him, that's your son. But take him, give him to me. Not only is thy son denoting ownership and belonging, but God says, thine only son, Isaac. God is getting closer to Abraham's heart. It's not only your son; it's your only son, Isaac, because Ishmael is gone. is Is the is the son of a born woman. The promise lies through Isaac. Ishmael is gone off the picture. With Hagar, Isaac. Is the one that God has promised and has given out of promise. And you know all the heartache going through all this. Abraham prayed. Sarah prayed. They prayed and they cried to God because of a child. There was no child. Sarah was barren. All the heartache that Sarah went through. All the ridicule that Sarah, Sarah went through. Just so... She she could have a child, but she couldn't. Then God gave Isaac. Now, God is saying, Take your son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest whom thou lovest. You see the progression? Thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. Take away from you, Abraham, take away from you the idea that you're the owner. Abraham, take away from your heart the idea that you you are the one, the cause of your son's existence. Abraham, take away from you the idea that the distinct promise is because of you. Abraham, take away from you the emotional attachment you have with the promise. See, many times we get get this thing wrong. It's not about the promise. It's about the one that makes the promise. You see, the promise is good. But if we dwell on the promise, 100% of the time, we dwell on the promise with the intent for our selfish benefit. And Abraham was looking at the promise that way and so God said no Abraham that's not the way you need to cut it off take your son give him to me thine only son Isaac give him to me whom thou lovest give him to me Abraham at this point Could have died, could have melted, could have just. What does God want from me? This is unhuman. How can I get my son, take him to the altar and kill him and sacrifice him? I would be doing the same thing as those pagans do. This is mind boggling. Abraham's heart is battling. But Abraham remembers the goodness of God. Who was there that destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah? God did. Abraham stood and watched it. It was the goodness of God that caused Abraham to, to, to conquer five countries and their kings. Abraham saw God's goodness and so the goodness of God conditioned Abraham to be willing to do this sacrifice. God will never ask you to sacrifice Until and unless you have appreciated his goodness. A heart conditioned by the goodness of God will be willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice in love. See, Abraham, God told Abraham to go to this mountain. Called Moriah, a mountain called Moriah. Vestry and Abraham rose up early in the morning and settled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the bent offering, and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham Lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. Abraham is coming in from Beersheba to a place what we know now as Jerusalem. And as Abraham comes to this position where he looks up and he sees a great mountain protruding up. He looks and he sees three points. Abraham sees Mount Zion, Abraham sees Mount Moriah, Abraham sees Mount Olives. And this is Abraham, he's standing here, right here. And this is the mountain, this is the place, this is the country that God told him that he would give him. This is the place in the country that God told him that he should take up his son... And sacrifice him Moriah. so Abraham takes up Abraham stands and he looks and he sees the place afar off and exactly where Abraham is standing would, would have been the pool of Siloam and Abraham took the bent offering and laid it upon Isaac his son and he took the fire on, on his hand and a knife, and they both went, both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here am I, son. And he said, behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Isaac is 25 years old he's not a kid Isaac knows the fire is there the wood is there the other component for the offering is not there the lamb there's no lamb dad where's the lamb and Abraham tells him my son God will provide what's the next word what's the next word Himself, mark it down. God will provide Himself, Alam. Son, it's not your problem, it's God's. Hey, son, it's not your problem, it's God's problem. God will provide Himself, Alam. God will provide it. You see, humanly speaking, Isaac. If he was a bad guy, a bad boy, a bad boy to his dad, to his family, in his family, at this point, Isaac would have dropped everything, knocked the dad on the head, and walked away from this whole nonsense. But I don't think Isaac was a bad boy. I think Isaac was obedient to his parents. I think Isaac saw God's goodness displayed in the father and mother's life so to the point that he obeyed every word the father told him. I think that Isaac was an obedient child. There is significance to that. They came to the place called Moriah. Now we are looking at it from Abraham's perspective, okay? We are not coming to the story yet in our perspective. Before we look at the second point, which is our perspective. God told Abraham he would give land. God told Abraham to take Isaac and sacrifice him in the land of Moriah, a specific heal. God chose. God chose Mount Moriah and Abraham worships God. Now, 1,000 years later from Abraham's time, 1,000 years later, David sinned against God and there was a plague. David pleads on behalf of the children of Israel. And God sends Gad to tell David the king to set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. That's First Chronicles chapter 21, verse 18. I'll read it to you here. Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David, and that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Onan the Jebusite. Threshing floor of Onan the Jebusite. Where is the threshing floor of Onan the Jebusite? So David gave to Onan for the place six hundred shekels of gold by weight, and David built there an altar unto the lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called upon upon the lord and he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar of burnt offering god told david to go by the threshing floor of onan the jebusite where is this threshing floor the same place one thousand years ago abraham takes up his son the sacrifice. Years later, David's son, Solomon, in 2nd Chronicles chapter 3 verse 1, Solomon builds an altar at this very spot. 2nd Chronicles 3 verse 1, then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem in Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared unto David his father in the place that David had prepared in the threshing floor of Onan, the Jebusite. My friends, this is no ordinary place, no ordinary site that God told Abraham to go and sacrifice his son. It's a place that God wanted his son to be sacrificed. One thousand years later, one thousand years from the time of David, John the Baptist, he is baptizing at Jordan, and Jesus walks toward him. And John says in John 1:29: "Behold the Lamb of God! Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin." Of the world, John was answering the question Isaac asked in Genesis twenty-two: "Where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? Where is the lamb, Dad? Where is the lamb?" John says, "Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world." Three years later, Jesus, the Messiah, is led up unto the place. Luke 23, verse 33. And when they will come to the place, what place? When they will come to the place which is called Calvary. Where is this place? Moriah. When they will come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. They crucified him on Moriah. There they crucified him. The threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. The place where David bought for a temple. The place where Solomon built the temple. The very place that Abraham took his son Isaac to worship God. Oh, what significance! Oh, what sacrifice! That is not all. That is not all. This place has great significance. My friends, when Jesus comes back, when Jesus comes back to this world in the second coming, he will set foot on the Mount of Olives in Moriah. And the Mount of Olives will split into the Mountain of God, the place that God said, I want this sacrifice. Very significant place. Of course, Abraham didn't know its significance. Abraham didn't know. Abraham only obeyed God. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And Jesus said it this way. Jesus said it this way. Abraham saw my day. Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and was glad. Abraham saw my day and was glad. Jesus said it from the mouth of Christ. He said, Abraham saw my day and was glad. What did Abraham see that day? On Mount Moriah that made him glad so when we come to our perspective when we come to our side of the story and we look back and see the narrative of Abraham's sacrifice to God we come to this story with the context already understanding that it talks about the sacrifice of Christ in the cross of Calvary that's how we come because we see it that way let's tie the truths here what did Abraham see that day that made him glad second point is on that we see the typical view or true typology or types we can see four truths. One is Abraham. Abraham is a type of God the Father. Abraham is a type of God the Father who spared not his son. john 16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son almost similar words abraham and isaac that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life romans 8 verse 32 He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Abraham is a type of God the Father who spared not his son. Number two, Isaac. Isaac is a type of the son. Christ Jesus, obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. Philippians 2, verse 5 to 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. And became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Number three, the ram. The ram that was caught in a thicket. The ram is a type of substitution. Christ, the Redeemer, taking my place. Christ offered. As a burnt offering. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me in burnt offerings and sacrifices, for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of this book as it is written of me. To do thy will, O God, above. When he, when he said, Sacrifice and offering, and burnt offerings, and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither had pleasure in them, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second, by the which we all will we as will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all substitution Christ number four Abraham's faith resurrection Abraham's faith is a type of resurrection Abraham saw the day of Christ, and he was glad. Abraham brings his son up, he puts him on the altar, lays him down, he makes the fire, and Abraham stretched forth his hand, took the knife to slay the son. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham from heaven the act of reaching forth for a knife and going for a kill was Abraham saying God I trust in you the act of reaching forth for a knife to sacrifice his son Was Abraham saying, God, I trust in you. I don't know how. I don't know how. Your promises are going to be fulfilled. But I trust you. This is going to be most probably the only son I will ever have with Sarah. I'm going to kill him now, but I trust you. Your promise about me... Having children innumerable than the sand. I trust you. I trust you. Abraham saw my day and he was God. See, Abraham told a man that was standing there when he, when he told him, when he looked at Moriah and said, You guys stay here. Me and the lad will go yonder and worship worship. We will go and worship. And we, me and the lad, will come back again. Abraham's faith. Abraham's faith. Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah is Jehovah-Jireh. The place called Moriah is jehovah God said he will see to it that his provision is given. That's what Jehovah Jireh means. It doesn't mean that God will provide for the sake of God will provide. No. It means that God will see to it that his provisions for you are met. Why don't we trust him for that? God's provisions for us had been met on Moriah when Christ came. Man can now have peace with God. Man can now find a way to heaven, find a way to God through the provision that God gave. Jehovah Jireh. That's the meaning of it. God gave made a way. And the way is through Christ Jesus, His Son. In conclusion this morning, just a couple of thoughts and then I'll ask Pastor to come up. God will see to it that His will is accomplished. God will see to it that his will is accomplished. Number two, God knows your life's narrative. Just walk as how he prescribes. He knows your life's narrative. He knows your end. Just walk as how he prescribes. Number three, trust God even when He asks you a hard thing. It could be that you have been conditioned to accept the greatest of sacrifice in your life. Trust Him. Trust Him. When God says, Repent and be saved. He knows exactly why. He knows exactly why. Take heed. Take heed when God has provided for you. Christian Christian brethren, take heed. God has already provided for you. Trust him. If you you are here this morning, if you are not Bell, if you are not a Christian this morning, my encouragement to you this morning is God has already provided for you. Trust Him. Trust Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. But have everlasting life. God's
1: on our As I look over the last six weeks of sermons, beginning from the beginning of Romans chapter 9, I've seen a theme that's been repeated all throughout these last six weeks, and that is God always keeps his promise. The theme has been repeated throughout the messages in Romans 9 and then also last week. Those five women. And then again today as we see, God always keeps His promise. and Sometimes He calls us to do harder things. But even when He's calling us to do harder things, He has bigger things at plan. He knows what He's doing and He can be trusted. I believe it... I would be remiss if I did not give an opportunity for a response. And so if I could ask us to bow our heads and reflect for yourself. Could I ask, have you repented and turned to Christ in salvation? The picture of the ram caught in the thickets as a substitution. The one who would take the place of Isaac. And God has provided a lamb for Himself, that's namely Jesus. And God has provided a lamb in your place where you should have taken the penalty for your own sin. Instead, God put that penalty on Jesus at the cross, and then He offers salvation freely to those who will believe in Him. And so could I ask you this morning, perhaps you're here and you've never put your trust in Christ Perhaps you'd like to do that today. Would you just raise your hand where you're at, and I'll have somebody come to you and say, Matt, I'd love to know how to put my trust in Christ. Could somebody talk to me about that? Is there anybody like that? You just raise your hand. Anybody like that? I'd like to put my trust in Christ. And for those of us that perhaps God has been calling you to do a hard thing, could I encourage you? He can be trusted. I think in particular terms of Abraham's calling, it's worth noting God called Abraham to forsake his land and his heritage and his inheritance. Those are big things for us. And yet God had a bigger plan for him. Father of Israel. Oh, he would never be that if he stayed son in Ur. So may we be reminded, God always keeps His promises. And as He calls us to step out and do those hard things, remember He can be trusted. Father, thank You. Thank You for these great reminders from the Scriptures this morning. Even though it's 55 years later, Abraham still can trust God. God never turns His back on His promises. So Lord, I pray that You would do Your work in our hearts this morning. I pray that we would see that You always accomplish Your will. You know our life's story. I pray that we would walk as You have prescribed for us. Lord, namely, we would walk righteously. We would walk holy. Our lives would be sanctified. You said that You would change us. I pray that we would walk in that truth. That's Your promise. Help us to walk in it as You fulfill it in us. I pray that You would help us to trust You even when You ask a hard thing. For You will provide the way. And then Lord, I pray for brothers and sisters, friends among us this morning who perhaps have not put their trust in You. I pray that they would not walk away. but Instead, they would seek Your face. Thank you for your goodness upon us in Jesus' name. Amen.